I'm Austin, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. In this talk, we continue our three-week teaching series, Respectable Sins. This week addresses the issue of jealousy and how it might just make you do something crazy. Eric lays out some good ways to identify jealousy in our lives, as well as some great practical ways to deal with it. Let's begin with the question today. What do you get for the person who has everything and they're really hard to buy for? That or they just have a lot of unique things and they're particular about their stuff and you're just not sure what to get for them. What do you get for that person? How about a really expensive car? I think we're all up for that, aren't we? I mean, that seems kind of reasonable. Evidently, there was a client who only goes by the name a businessman from the Middle East who commissioned the car that you're going to see on the screen to be built for the price of $8 million. Eight million bucks. That's what you get for the person who has everything. Apparently, this guy didn't get the memo that the world economy is toast. And he commissioned this vehicle, and it is absolutely an incredible thing. It actually cost $8,150,000. And for that, you get a gigantic gold radiator grill that resembles a bank. You get plebeian chrome-plated door handles. I said that, I don't even know what that means, but that's what you get. The hinges and the trim on the car and the picnic table that folds out of the back were all replaced with 24 karat gold, 256 pounds of it to just give you a great time at your picnic. And that's not all. This rolls, which actually took about 18 months to build, can withstand assaults from AK-47s sniper rifles, and hand grenades. Because let's face it, you have to be ready for attacks when you're the rolling metaphor for greed, right? You just have to be ready. Perhaps the best thing about the car is a plaque on the inside that says this. One of the first of two armored EWB Phantom of Production Vehicles in the world. There's actually two of these things, and that's all crazy because there's nothing that drips with entitlement as much as an armored, gold-plated, $8 million car. It's just kind of out there. And yet, and yet, there will be more $8 million cars made because of something called jealousy. We started this series last week called Respectable Sins. You know, it's the sins that are no big deal. No big deal at all. They're the sins that really don't hurt other people. They're the sins that no one else may know about. They're just kind of respectable. And often we throw jealousy into this respectable category. Because it's no big deal. It's no big deal at all. Maybe it's actually a respectable thing. But think about this. 
Jealousy has the ability to dominate our thinking. I mean, just dominate our mind, push us to the brink of crazy, and cause us to become very irritable people. Here's our big idea for today. Jealousy. It just might make you do something weird. It might. And I want to be honest with you today and say that I struggle with jealousy. It's an issue that I have, and maybe you feel the same way. About a year and a half ago, we moved into our new home, and we love our new house and our neighborhood. It's a great place, and we've had a lot of fun living there. It really has been a great time for our family. And when we moved into that home, we opted not to have the builder build our deck. We thought we'd just come back at a later time and do that. So what we did have to do is put up a railing off of our slider so that you didn't fall to your death if you opened the door. And I got to tell you, my railing is a custom-built railing. I love my railing. It really is amazing. A couple of months ago, I watched as one of my neighbors had a crew come and tear down his deck. He had a deck. It was a very nice deck. I liked looking at his deck. And he had a whole crew come in and they ripped the thing down and I thought this was kind of fascinating. I wonder what they're doing back there. And I watched for the whole day as they built a bigger, better deck. And it was a gorgeous deck. I know it's gorgeous because from my railing, I could see that deck. And it talks to me. It does. He actually has these built-in lights that shine at night. And those lights, they tease me all night long. I kid you not, this is the truth. And I would love to tell you that when he built that bigger, better deck, even though he had a really nice deck, when he built that bigger thing, I would love to tell you that I was really happy for him, that he's going to be able to go out there and laugh and eat and host parties and have a great time on his deck while I watched from my custom-built railing. I would love to tell you that I was really excited for him and I wanted to go and congratulate him and that I'd look at my wife, Tanya, and say, isn't that amazing? Look at that deck they have. I'm so happy for them. That wouldn't be the truth because I have deck jealousy issues. I really do. And even though I have a custom-built railing, it's the best railing in the entire neighborhood. I know because I've looked. It's the only railing in the neighborhood because everybody else has decks. But I've got this deck jealousy issue, and it's a sincere problem. And maybe, maybe you have the same problem. Oh, maybe it's not a deck, but maybe it's another possession that you look out your window and you see and you want that. You dream about it. Or maybe that jealousy is over the success that another person has. And you've been dreaming about that kind of success and it hasn't happened to you for whatever reason, but it's happened to them, them, And the jealousy begins to grow. Or maybe it's an individual who's had a significant win in their life and you've wanted that too, but it hasn't happened for you. And so jealousy begins to creep in and jealousy. It just 
might make you do something weird. The paragraph that we're going to unpack today is found in 1 Samuel chapter 18. And when we get there and read through that, we're going to discover that it's a story about a guy named Saul. Saul is a king. He's a respected individual. He is important. He really is in a good place in life because there is no one above him. I mean, there's nobody that he should be jealous of at all. Yet along comes an individual named David. He's part of the story. And David's a soldier, a successful soldier. He's also King Saul's son's best friend, an all-around great guy, extremely likable, and a rising star in Saul's kingdom. As a matter of fact, when people looked around, they would spot David and they would say, that guy, that guy right there, he is going somewhere. And Saul just couldn't handle that. He became very jealous and he started to do some crazy things because jealousy. It just might make you do something weird. And so we're going to work our way through this story today, and we're going to ask ourselves three questions. And we're going to get honest as we investigate whether the seeds of jealousy are beginning to grow in our own lives. So these aren't questions for the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. These are questions for you. You think about this stuff and the people in your world. Here's question number one. Who do you keep close to you, not to learn from, but to see what they have? Who do you keep close to you, not to learn from them, but to see what they actually have? All right, let's check out 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. It says, after David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son, And there was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pact with David because he loved him as he loved himself. And Jonathan sealed the pact. He sealed the deal by taking off his robe and giving it to David, together with his tunic, which is like a coat, his sword, his bow, and his belt. So we've got Saul, the king, and he's important and he's respected. There's no one above him. Saul's part of the story. And we've got Jonathan, Saul's son. And Jonathan really enjoys his relationship with David so much so that he gives him a lot of his stuff. He's just a generous guy. And he, in his mind, thought that David was amazing, and I just want to give you these things. They're valuable to me, but I want you to have them and enjoy them. So we've got Saul the king, Jonathan the son, and David the soldier. And our paragraph tells us that Jonathan loved David. They were best friends. It's fair to say that David had Jonathan's loyalty. And Saul couldn't handle that. And jealousy crept in. Saul then keeps David with him. And the idea of that word kept in verse 2 is that he would not let David leave his presence. So 
Saul sees all of this going on and he sees the unique relationship that his son has with David. And Saul says, all right, right here. I'm keeping my eyes on you and you are not leaving this palace. He kept David very close, not to learn from him, but to see what he had. And David wasn't free to roam and see his family. He wasn't free to enjoy tax-free shopping in Delaware. He wasn't free to go down the shore. He wasn't free to watch the Phillies' first playoff win. How about that, right? Yeah? See, David missed out on all of that because Saul kept him close, not to learn from him, but to see what he had. Let's go back to the question. Who do you keep close to you? Personalize this. Who do you keep close to you? Not to learn from, but to see what they have. Saul kept David very close because he had his son's loyalty. And Saul didn't like it. Here's question number two. How angry do you get when others win? And how angry? How angry do you get when somebody else wins. Here's verse 5. It says, whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. And when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul. And they sang and they danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. And you have to know that Saul's pretty excited about this. Because maybe people really like David, but at least the women in the kingdom still know who the king is, right? This is all good. But check out what happens in verse 7, because this is what they sang. Saul has killed his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Saul's decent. He's decent. He's a good soldier, but David, oh my goodness, he's killed his ten thousands. And for a guy who's already on edge, for a guy who's already jealous, this probably made his head explode. And as a matter of fact, that's what happens. Verse 8, this made Saul very angry. What's this? He said, they credit David with ten thousands and me with only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Scripture tells us that Saul actually began to do some crazy things in the palace. And we find this in verse 10. One day David was playing the harp. So he's like a soldier and a musician. I mean, he's got the whole package going on here. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David escaped him twice. So how angry did Saul get with David's win? Well, angry enough to throw sharp, pointy things at a human with the hopes of pinning him to a wall. That's all kind of nasty when you think about it. And this is all towards a guy who doesn't deserve it at all. I mean, David is a great guy. He's respected. He's a rising star in the kingdom. He is Saul's son's best friend. This is all just bizarre. And here's what makes this so bizarre. It's because David 
made Saul look very good. I mean, he was actually helping Saul. With David, Saul was more successful. With David, Saul was stronger. With David, Saul was more effective, but yet Saul couldn't see it. He couldn't see it at all because jealousy might just make you do something weird. Here's the third question. When someone else has continued success, do you celebrate that or do you scheme? When someone else has continued success, I mean, they're clearly going somewhere and maybe they're going way beyond you and you can see it and you know it. Do you celebrate that or do you scheme? Here's what we find in verse 12. Saul was then afraid of David. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over 1,000 men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah, here's what they did. They loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops into battle. One day, Saul said to David, I am ready. Here's the plan. Here's the scheme. I'm ready to give you my older daughter, Merib, as your wife. But first, you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. For Saul thought... I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. Wow. Wow. There was just no room in Saul's life to celebrate the success of other people. He couldn't see it. He couldn't see it because jealousy. It just might make you do something weird. You know, do we do this stuff? I mean, do we? I think we do it all of the time. I know I do. And here's how that kind of plays out in my life. You begin the process of looking around at your friends. I've had the great privilege of meeting wonderful people here at Valley Point. And I have a lot of great friends here. And the friends that I've made are very talented people. And sometimes I look at them and I'm like, wow, I wish I could think that way. I wish I could pull that off like them. I wish I had their success. That would be great. And I find these seeds of jealousy beginning to grow in my life. And so I just want to talk to you about some of my friends and some of the things that I get jealous about in their life. And feel free to laugh at me. That's okay. Let me talk to you about my friend, Brian Hassan. Brian Hassan has more letters behind his name because of all of his education than I have in my name. He is a really, really smart guy. And I've asked Brian several times, what is it that you do for work? You've got all these letters behind your name, these big degrees. What do you do for work? And he explains it. And to this day, I have no idea what he does. I just can't figure it out. I'm not smart enough for that. And sometimes I look at Brian and people like him and I'm jealous of smart people. And maybe you're the same way. 
And then there's Donald, right? And we're just jealous of his hair. Yeah, Donald doesn't actually come here. I just wanted to make sure you guys were awake. Good job. What about Jason Betts and Nick McGowan? Man, there's some of our musicians here. And they're young and cool. And they play the drums and guitars. And I'm not young anymore. And I'm not cool. And I don't play the drums. I try to play the guitar and that never turns out so well. I played the tuba in high school. That's what I did. And the tuba is not cool. I'm telling you, I got made fun of for that. I survived. But sometimes I look at cool people and their talents and their gifts and you get a little jealous. And then there's Jean White. I mean, Jean is just the nicest person in the world. She remembers everybody's name. I don't know how she does that. She knows everybody's name and everybody. And I mean, everybody loves Jean. And sometimes you look at that and you just get a little jealous. And then there's Mike Berry. Mike might be one of the most amazing persons in the world because he builds things and he fixes things. And he has power tools. <laughs> Mike actually has power tools for his power tools. He's that amazing. And I've watched him build stuff and repair things, and he never gets mad. He never gets upset. And whenever I try to fix things, which is rare, I always get mad and I always get upset because I can't do anything right. I don't have the right tools, and I lack in the power tool division significantly. Example. A couple of weeks ago, we were having a meeting at the Bethel Road campus, and Mike was part of that meeting, and when the meeting got done, we were shutting off the lights, and there was a window that was open, and the window was kind of tight, and we couldn't shut it, and Mike walked over, and he kind of, you know, tapped it, the magical touch, pixie dust, or whatever it is that he does, and that window just shut. It was incredible, and nobody else seemed to marvel at that, but I'm like, oh my goodness, he just, like, shut the window. How do people do this? So yesterday, I was at the Bethel Road campus, and that same window was open, and it was stuck, and somebody said, I can't shut that thing. Can you do it? And I was, oh, absolutely, I can do this. I've seen Mike Berry. I've watched him. I know how to pull this off. So I kind of tapped on the window a little bit, and the thing wouldn't shut. So I gave it a little smack, and the thing shattered. <laughs> and I left it. I'm like, well, I'm not messing with that now, so we probably got rain coming in or something like that. I don't know, but I was so mad. I'd like to think it was my sheer brute strength that pulled that off, but I know that's not true either. But Mike Berry, jealousy. And then there's Betty Millar and Rich Kirk. I mean to tell you, these are some of the hardest working people at Valley Point. And they serve and they do it with a smile, and they are tireless in their efforts. And I get tired, and I watch them go and go and serve and smile and keep at it week after week, and I just get jealous of that. And then there's Betsy Sukanik. She's an amazing photographer, and I've seen her work. She takes pictures of things like broken glass, and it looks like art. I like photography too. And I pull out my camera and I take pictures of broken glass and my kids say, Dad, that's the dumbest picture ever. What in the world are you trying to do? See, jealousy 
It's easy to let it grab us, dominate us, and then push us to the edge of crazy. And while it might not seem like a big deal, it is a huge deal. I mean, this is a significant problem for us, and it's not respectable. It's not. And it just might make you do something weird. So when we begin to see the seeds of jealousy spring up in our lives, we have to act, and we have to act fast. So what do we do? Here's some takeaways for us, some stuff we can walk out of here doing in just a moment. First of all, put down the spear. Put down the spear. See, Saul had the spear of jealousy in his hand, and he wanted to cause a lot of harm with that. And maybe that spear for you looks like anger towards the person who is successful, and you're ready to throw that spear. Or maybe that spear is a toxic attitude towards someone who's won. And you wanted that, and it didn't happen for you, and so you've got this spear in your hand. Or maybe that spear is something that you know you don't need, but you want to get it so that you can keep up with the people around you. Maybe that spear is a spear. I don't know. Put down the spear so jealousy escapes. Secondly, check your course of life. See, do you find yourself scheming against others? Do you find yourself consumed with more just to keep even? Check your course of life and then be prepared to make adjustments. And here's the greatest way that you can do that. Confess. Just confess. When jealousy begins to creep into your life, run fast to God and God tells us, if we confess, if we confess our sins, Sins like jealousy. God is faithful. He is just. And he will forgive us. And he will cleanse us from everything that is wrong in our lives. We have to confess. Be quick to do that. That is how you check your course of life. And then finally, find someone and celebrate them. I mean, find somebody who has more and celebrate them. Find someone who has a bigger, better deck and congratulate them. Find someone who has had more success than you and maybe is going farther than where you'll ever go and just celebrate that and then enjoy it. See, jealousy. Is it a big deal? I mean, maybe we're trying too hard. Maybe this is just kind of a respectable thing. Is jealousy a big deal? It is a big deal because it takes us far from God. It dominates our mind and it pushes us to do crazy things that we'll later regret. And so the challenge, the call is to put down the spear, check your course of life and find someone and celebrate them. Own jealousy, identify it, mark it, kick it out. And then just watch God use your life to celebrate the lives of others. Father, we're so thankful for a few moments where we can talk to you about something like jealousy. God, I think this is something that creeps into our lives and we don't even see it. 
All of a sudden, we begin looking around and we keep people close to us, not to learn, but to kind of spy on what they have. And God, then we don't often celebrate the wins of others. Instead, we scheme about how to get even with them or to catch up with them or to have the same kind of success. God, this is stuff that happens to us. This is real. We deal with this. And so I pray today that you would just make us very aware of when jealousy grows in our life. Help us to be quick to own it, to mark it, and to confess it. And God, we know that when we confess, you are faithful, so faithful and just, and you will forgive us even of jealousy. So God, I pray that you'd help all of us to walk out of here in a moment filled with a lot of hope, knowing what we need to do to walk out of here, not letting jealousy cause us to do something weird. God, help us to put down the spears that we're holding, ready to throw at those who are the objects of our jealousy. God, help us to be ready to adjust the course of our life. And then, God, when we see others win and when they're more successful than us and when they have more than us, it helps to be happy for them, to celebrate that and to applaud them because that's what you want us to do, to keep jealousy from dominating our thinking and taking us far from you. God, help us with this today. It's not respectable. It's not respectable. Give us strength to have victory in this area this week. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We'd also like to invite you to join us for any of our Sunday gatherings as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 and 11 a.m.